Welcome back to week two of Red Letter Challenge. I am so glad you have joined us again. I hope that having gone through the first week, your curiosity has been piqued, and now you're ready to dive into the material and to dive into the remaining five weeks. And before we dive in, when I moved here to White Rock Baptist Church, uh, I moved from Durban, South Africa. Now, Durban is a subtropical climate. And what that basically means is that fruit trees grow like wildflowers in your yard. We literally had an avocado tree in our yard. We had uh, a berry tree, a mango tree, a whole bunch of other fruit trees just growing wild in the yard. Uh, Still today, Cindy and I will go to the grocery store and we'll look at an avocado and kind of be like, you want us to pay how much for this? I mean, these things were just all over our yard. Uh, So you could grow anything. Uh, And given that as well, the church we were in had a a church house next to the church, which was on a double property. So we had this massive yard, this massive backyard. So I decided I'm going to build and develop a vegetable patch. I've always wanted to have this little vegetable patch. uh, You know, and, and if these kind of plants are growing like weeds, it should be easy even for someone like me who doesn't have naturally green fingers. So I went out and I set about developing this vegetable patch. Now, at the time, I didn't realize how much work a vegetable patch actually takes. And I'm talking before you've even sown the first seed. I I had to kind of block out this big chunk of grass and take away the grass. And then I would kind of put a little border and I'm digging out the soil. I'm trying to throw down some kind of mulch to to give the soil nutrients and all of this. And kind of really working hard. And it, it took me like maybe a week to get the ground all ready. And eventually I've got what I think is good land to start this vegetable patch. So the following week, I come along with some seeds, and I'm sowing some seeds and planting them in my my vegetable patch. And I kind of thought, well, there you go. I have a vegetable patch. But what I didn't count on or didn't realize was how much work, even afterwards, it takes. You've got to keep an eye out for bugs. You've got to kind of spray the plants. You've got to make sure that they're growing fine. You've got to make sure there's no weeds. Uh, and, and not to mention kind of wildlife like moles. And this is Durban, so we've got monkeys as well. And, and kind of this, this project that I started eventually just became too much for me. And so I did what any person in that circumstance would do. I gave up. I was like, thank you, but no thank you. This is too much effort. I I will do what everyone else does, and I'll get my vegetables from the grocery store. Thank you very much. I gave up. You know, and as I kind of think about that, you know, my vegetable patch is really just one item in a long list of projects that I started on full of kind of passion and gusto only to give up a short while down the line. But it turns out, before you judge me, I'm not alone in giving up projects. How many of you can remember your New Year's resolutions from the beginning of this year? How many of those have perhaps fallen by the wayside? You know, a couple of years ago, John Acuff wrote a book called Finish. And in John's book, he makes note that 92% of projects and plans or goals that we set out are left incomplete. 
92%. That means when, when you start the year and you sort of think to yourself, this is what I want to achieve, this is what I want to do, or, or you even begin those projects, 92% are incomplete. We give up on, we move away from. Now, I don't know about you, but we've just started the Red Letter Challenge. And it is my prayer and it is my goal not to give up. And I don't want you being a part of that 92% saying, well, it was too much effort. It was too much work. You know, last week was, was an easy week. Uh, last week, we kind of just looked at the high-level overview of what's to come over the next five weeks. But now it's going to become progressively more difficult. As we look at those five themes that are behind me, and as we look at those five themes that I spoke about last week, uh, you know, those themes of being, forgiving, serving, giving, and going. And so today, this week, we begin week one with being. And why? Why would we start with being? Well, quite simply, any doing that we go out and do has to flow out of our being. And when we go through the red letter challenge, we're going to discover Jesus is going to ask us to do some stuff. Jesus is going to ask us to, uh, and Jesus is going to expect a lot out of this challenge. So yes, the doing will come. But any doing that's done in our own strength that we try and develop, it's likely to fail. Or worse, we're likely to give up on it, much like that vegetable patch. And so any doing that we want to achieve and do successfully has to flow out of our being. And part of why it has to flow out of that being is because it's also a reminder that Jesus hasn't invited us into a religion. You know, if you look at the world religions, if you look at many kind of systems of belief around the world, it's all about what you do. Do these five things, do these three things, do this list, and you will attain salvation, or you will please your God. And Jesus says, no. Jesus invites us into a relationship, not a religion. Jesus invites us into a relationship where we be with him before we do anything. I don't know if you've ever really considered just a few short words in Mark chapter 3. And we often gloss over it because in Mark chapter 3, we read about Jesus calling the disciples and Jesus designating these apostles that will go and do and serve. And in verses 14 and 15 of, of Mark chapter 3, we read, Jesus appointed 12 disciples whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. Did you catch that? so that they might be with him. Yes, Jesus calls the disciples, and yes, Jesus will send the disciples out, but it starts with them simply being with him. And so as we dive into this Red Letter Challenge in earnest from this week, and as we start to do a whole bunch of things, we have to remind ourselves that any doing must come out of our being. We don't simply want to start the challenge and then give up. We want to finish the challenge. We want to finish strong. We might be able to start on our own strength. But trust me, when you start going through it, you're going to realize the only way we finish this and finish it well is by finishing it with the strength that Jesus gives us.
by finishing it with the strength of the Holy Spirit, not relying on our own. And the only way we're going to find that and receive that is by being with Jesus. Now, I, I was kind of surprised while reading through and preparing for today, you know, one of the most elite sports in the world is rowing. Now, now don't laugh just this yet. I, I hadn't thought about this either. Uh, many Ivy League schools, many top-tier colleges and schools have their rowing teams, and it's a huge sport, and there's all sorts of big races and events that take place. And they, these are incredibly fit, athletic individuals who've trained long and hard and who work long hours and put in the effort in order to compete. But you know what fascinates me about rowing races? Uh, in fact, I don't think there's another sport that compares to rowing in this regard. And it is this, in that boat, with that team rowing, the entire team has their back to the finish line. You think about that? There's a rowing team putting all their effort, all their energy, and they don't see the finish line. You know who does see the finish line? It's the single individual facing toward the finish line. Uh, that person is called the cox. And the rowing team keep their eye fixed on the cox. And it is the cox who sees and sets the pace and calls out and says, this is where we're going. And the team trusts that cox and they work together with their eyes on that individual. As I kind of look at that metaphor and I think of that image, that's what Jesus invites us into. Jesus says, don't worry about finish lines. Don't worry about what's up ahead. Keep your eyes on me. Respond to me in relationship, and we'll get to where we need to go. We will get to the finish line. And the writer to Hebrews says it so beautifully in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Yeah, we're called into a race. We're called to hard work at some point. We're called to discipline and diligence. But it begins by fixing our eyes on Jesus. It begins by being with Christ, spending time with Christ. You know, on several different occasions all through the Gospels, Jesus gives his disciples different ways of simply being with him. In John chapter 8, Jesus says, abide in my word. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus invites his disciples to pray and to pray earnestly. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus reminds them to worship as part of being with him. In Mark chapter 6, particularly after this busy spell and this busy season, Jesus says, come away with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Again, in Matthew 6, Jesus talks about fasting. Giving up on food is another way of being with Christ. And not only is there fasting, I'm glad that in Luke 15, Jesus talks about feasting, celebrating, with him, eating and celebrating. And then, of course, in Mark chapter 2, Jesus talks about the Sabbath and how important that practice of the Sabbath is to being with Christ. And all of those are organized with the theme around being, being with Christ. At the root of it all, if you get very little else 
from today and from this week's message, get that invitation. Christ invites us to simply be with him. Yes, down the line, yes, in the future, Jesus will call us to do something. I mean, he, he called his disciples and he sent them out to preach and cast out demons and to perform miracles and to heal people. But it began with being with him. And I truly believe that following Jesus means being with him first and foremost before we go and do anything. Now, I know some of you are loving that theme because some of you are going, oh, I love the idea of just being with Jesus. You know what? It, it, it fills my cup to just be. You know, if I go out into the woods or up into the mountain or sit on the beach or maybe even on a on a sofa with a, a good cup of coffee. I just love the idea of being with God. And, and for many of us, we would rather be than do anything. You know, I, I joked last week about my child not actually cleaning their room uh, and instead studying and kind of meditating on that and getting a group of friends together. And, and of course, the absurdity of that is that's not what's expected. And so as much as many of us would rather be with Jesus, there comes a time when he will call us. But the problem is that work and, and the progress that happens only happens successfully when we've been with him. When we spend time being. When we spend time in the presence of God. And in fact, I would say if we don't spend time in the presence of God, if we don't focus on being, we might get out and do but we're going to fail miserably. We're going to be unsuccessful. We're, we're going to start in our own strength and we're going to push. Uh, you know, and, and, and it's that sense of, well, maybe I just need to be a little more loving or maybe I just need to be a little more patient. And if we try it on our own strength, we're going to fail. It's a little bit like if you've ever had small kids. You know how cranky and grumpy little children can be if they miss their nap. You know, a kid who misses their afternoon nap, they're just after lunch nap, man, it is hair pull-out time by the time dinner rolls around. You've just got this, this cranky, grumpy little ball of, of kind of, ah, that's just freaking out and crying and screaming and nothing makes them happy, simply because they've missed out on that rest and of that pause. In fact, research shows you and I as adults are no different. Research shows that if you and I learned to take what are called power naps, we would be so much more productive in our days. But yet, even though science gives evidence to power naps and, and increasing our productivity, m most of us look at the idea of naps as being, well, that's what lazy people do. Uh, not me. I, I would love to be able to have a nap. If, if you let me have a nap every day, I would have a nap every day. But I don't, and I keep going, and I keep pushing, and I keep fighting. Yet if we learn to just pause, take a breather, we become so much more productive. And it, yes, for some of us, almost seems counterintuitive. How can I be more productive if I slow down in the middle of my busy day? Yet world leaders, some of the most powerful and influential people of history, uh, took power naps and paused and rested in the day. Uh, people like Thomas Edison, people like Leonardo da Vinci, Winston Churchill, Roosevelt, and, and many others learned the value of simply resting. Now, of course, I'm not advocating just taking a nap for taking a nap's sake. 
The psalmist invites us in Psalm 46 verse 10, be still and know that I am God. This is what being is. It's being still in God. It's being still in the presence of God and therefore knowing that he is God and learning from him. You know, many of us don't know how to be. We know how to do. We can do a whole bunch of things, but we struggle with the being. And before we do what Christ asks us to do, we need to learn to be with him. And this being, as you will see as we go through in this coming week, they're, they're really synonymous with spiritual disciplines. Those spiritual practices, those spiritual habits that put us more closely in connection with our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's the habits that have been practiced by church fathers all through history. You know, the healthiest way to follow Christ uh, and seek Him first for all our doing is for that to flow out of being with Him. Our doing flows out of who we are and who we become when we spend time with Christ. You know, I, I see this playing out in my own life. You know, when, when I spend time with Christ, I can't wait to get out and do what he invites me to do. And when I come to church, and admittedly it looks a little different nowadays to normal, but when I come to church and when I worship with my brothers and sisters, it gives me fuel to face the coming week. When I read scripture, when I read the very words of Christ, when I read the words of God to me, it fires me up and I just can't help sharing it and speaking about it and, and wanting to speak into it and share it and teach it to others. And when I pray, and when I genuinely pray, there's a peace that comes over me that I can't describe and I can't explain. And when things happen in my life, and, and this is how I know when I'm drifting away from being, is when things happen, if I don't default and immediately fall into that place of prayer, that to me is a warning, Brian, you're drifting away. Because when we pray, we learn to discover that peace that Jesus brings. When I rest, when I practice the Sabbath, when I take a day and instead of trying to work all through the week, seven days a week, when I take a day off and dedicate it to just being still in the presence of God, to spending time with Him, when I practice the Sabbath, I'm reminded it's not all about me. I'm reminded I'm not in control anyway. God is in control. And so the Sabbath teaches me to trust Him, to trust His sovereignty, to trust that He knows what He's doing. If you truly want to follow Jesus well, it happens in that still, quiet, restful being time with God. And you know what? I believe those private battles in that place of being, it's the private battles that will determine your public victories in your walk with Jesus. You know, when somebody says they have a problem uh, with doing the things that Jesus asks them to do, nine times out of ten, if we dig in, we realize your problem isn't a problem with doing. It's a problem with being. You're not being, you're not spending time with Christ, you're not spending time with God, and you're trying to do a whole bunch of things in your own strength, and your own strength will fail every single time. Uh, it's not a doing problem, it's a being problem. And Jesus doesn't invite us to simply try harder, to simply try and do more. Every single time, Jesus says, no, come back. 
Come back and rest at my feet. Come back and just simply be with me. And if we be with him, that's where we're energized and refueled to go out. He invites us to relationship to come and be with him. Now, I know that many of you and many of us might say, well, Jesus is my number one priority. But for many of us, our actions don't show that. Our actions deny that statement that Jesus is our number one priority. If Jesus really was our number one priority, we would have no problem carving out some time. But Brian, you don't get it. I, I'm just, I'm super busy. I, I can't do the things you're telling me to do or, or, or that you're asking me to do. I'm not the paid spiritual professional like you who can just spend all this time uh, in the presence of God. Uh, no, I, I don't believe that for a minute. Why not? Because research shows the average North American watches four hours of TV a day and spends a further two hours on their mobile devices playing stupid games like Candy Crush or Farmville. I don't even think Farmville exists anymore, but you get the point. We waste so many hours a day in all these things. And it's not that those things are bad, but don't say you don't have time to carve out to spend with being with Christ. When we waste time on those things, it's not a time issue, it's a priority issue. Now, I agree, people feel tired. You may well feel tired. People feel exhausted. And it's, they feel tired and they feel exhausted because they're not getting true rest. And what goes in, whether it's media, social media, television, uh, or whatever else, what goes in, that's what's going to come up. And so many of us are filling our lives with things that don't give us rest. We're filling our time with idle things that just sap the energy out of us. And Jesus says, there is an antidote, and I am that antidote. Spend time being with me. And Jesus says to his followers in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Are you weary and burdened? then learn to come to Christ. Spend time being with him because that's where you will find true rest. And as we've kind of asked, why is being so important? Well, because in the next couple of weeks, the following four weeks, we're going to be asked to do a whole bunch of things. And my brothers and sisters, friends, those things flow out of being with Christ. When we spend time being, reminding ourselves of what Christ has done for us, what Christ invites us into in that place, then I'm energized and then I'm able to go out and do. So here's what we're asking you to do, not just for the next few weeks, but at least for the next few weeks while we go in to the Red Letter Challenge, is to find ways to be near Christ to find ways to be with him, to learn from him, to sit at his feet. You might ask, well, how do I literally sit at the feet of Jesus? I can't do that. I, I don't see him. He's not around. So how do I practically spend time being? Well, there are a number of ways. The first up is you can read your Bible. Read the very words of Jesus written to us intentionally schedule time in your day to spend in the Word. 
Download an app like YouVersion on your phone, which is a Bible app which has tons of reading plans. Read through the whole Bible in the year. Read through the New Testament in a couple of months. Read through one of the Gospels or, or focus on a theme like anxiety or worry or prayer or, or whatever the case might be. Get into the Word of God. Don't just put your Bible on a shelf. Let it gather dust and pick it up now and again just to dust it. Take up and read. Spend time in the Bible. Pray the verses. When you read Psalm 46 verse 10, be still and know that I am God. Well, pray. God, here I am. Help me to be still. Help me to know you. Pray the scriptures. Spend time in the Bible. And as I talk about prayer, then yes, pray. Some of us struggle with prayer. There are seasons I struggle with prayer as well. Get practical. Make notes. Keep a prayer journal. Write down what you're praying for or who you're praying for. Be encouraged. Ask somebody. Say, hey, can I pray for you? And then take a note of it. And then spend time deliberately and intentionally praying those things. Pray the scriptures as you read them. Read the word is one. Spend time in prayer is two. Another way that we can be with Christ is to spend time in a small group, in a life group, in a community group. Just like we're doing for Red Letter Challenge, we've got groups for those who can and want to meet in person. We've also got groups that are meeting over Zoom. Get into that group. It's in that place where we have brothers and sisters who can encourage us, who can pray for us, and we can pray for them. Spending time together, ministering to one another. You'd be amazed at how Jesus will meet you and Jesus will respond to your needs through other people. Spend time in the Word. Spend time in prayer. Get into a life group. And fourthly, another way that we can be with Christ is come to church. Now, hear me. I know right now that's awkward. That's difficult. But there will come a day again in the future where church will open up again. And we'll be able to come back to church. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're going, Brian, this is so awesome. I just sit at home in my pajamas on my sofa with my coffee in my hand. You can bring your coffee to church. Nobody's going to throw you out because of that. You want to wear slippers to church? I've done it before. You come on in your slippers. But don't use this convenience, this self-seeking means as an excuse to avoid gathering together, to avoid fellowship with brothers and sisters. Let me tell you, there is something powerful that takes place when we gather together in the name of Christ, we worship God, we pray together, we gather around the word, and we encourage one another over coffee after the service. You want to spend time being with God? Understand how important church is. Read your Bible, pray, get in a life group, come to church. Another way that we can spend time being with God is listening to worship music. Listen to worship music. Now, I'm I'm not one of those ones that says you shouldn't listen to the top 40, whether you're listening to the current top 40 or the top 40 hits of the 60s. Uh, There's a place and there's a time for that. But if all you're listening to is music like that, that has a, a secular worldview, and, and in many cases even a godless worldview, is it any wonder that we drift away from Christ? Maybe occasionally redeem your commute to work, whether it's in your car or on public transit or however. Put in the earbuds. 
put on a, an uplifting worship song or a worship album or, or get into worship music that takes you into that place of worshiping God. You want to be with Christ? One of the ways we do that is through worship. Another way that we learn to be with Christ is to practice the Sabbath. Now, I'm not going to get legalistic over the Sabbath. That's a sermon for another day. You know, I work on the Sabbath. The Sunday is a work day for me and many others in the church. So I've learned on my day off to take a break, to take a Sabbath, to be intentional about switching off my phone or ignoring emails and spending time reading, spending time praying, spending time meditating. You and I need to regain that practice of rest in the presence of God on the Sabbath. And you know why it's so important? Because so many of us have gotten used to working seven days a week and we're burning out because we think we're in control. The Sabbath reminds us God is in control. And we simply need to trust Him and rest in Him. And if you're doing that, and, and maybe you would say, well, Brian, I already do that, then maybe I would challenge you to, once a year, take a two- or three-day weekend or a, a block to get away, to get out of the city limits, to find a quiet place and rest and Sabbath in the Lord. Spending time reading the Word, spending time praying, spending time worshiping. And as we do this, and as we do those things, and yes, there are other ways of being with Christ. As we do that, we will learn to prioritize Him and schedule Him into our lives, and we will start to hear Him. We will start to hear Christ speak to us and hear Christ lead us. And for the remainder of this red letter challenge, that's going to be crucial because God's going to ask us to do things. And you and I are going to want to be able to say, I heard God lead me there. I heard Christ say, Brian, go and speak to that person. Go and encourage that person. Go and help that person. Go and serve. Go and give. Go and do. And the only way I'm going to hear that is when I spend time in the presence of God. You know, uh, Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40 Verse 30 to 31 says, Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And there will be times when this challenge will be exactly that, a challenge. And if we're trying to run it or walk it in our own strength, we will grow weary and tired and we will fail. We need to learn to be. We need to learn to rest and be in Christ so that we can finish strong. You know, while competing in the, the marathon in Mexico City, uh, John Aquari cramped due to the high altitude of the city. He hadn't trained at such an altitude uh, back in his home country. And at about the 19th kilometer mark, uh, Alquari uh, was bumped and he fell over and he, he hurt his leg and he hurt his shoulder and pretty significantly injured himself in this run. Uh, but, but he got up and he kept going and he kept running. He finished last out of the competitors who completed that race. You know, the winner of that marathon was Mama Waldi of Ethiopia. He finished that marathon in two hours and 20 minutes. Aquari 
finished in three hours 25. Now you need to know that's already a phenomenal time for a marathon. Uh, only 2% of the world's population ever run a marathon. I've run a couple of marathons. I would kill to get that kind of time. But this is Olympic level. And so he still gets up and he still goes and he's still running. Most of the people had left, most of the spectators in, in the stands had left. They were already starting to dismantle the finish line and they were dismantling kind of a whole bunch of things. And, and the TV crew kind of realized, oh, wait a minute, there's still one guy running. Uh, he's on his way in. And so they come and they film him. And, and as he finally crosses the finish line, a few in the TV crew kind of cheer for him. And they interviewed him afterwards. And they asked him, why did you keep running? Like, you weren't going to get a medal. You've been injured. Why on earth did you keep running this marathon at this altitude? And this is what Aquari said. Aquari said, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. My friends, God has not sent you. God is not sending me out into this world to simply start the race. God is sending us to finish the race. And you know what encourages me and what excites me is it's what Paul says in Philippians chapter 1. Paul says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. My God is not in the business of simply starting things. My God is in the business of finishing things. God will finish what he starts in you. And God will finish what he starts sending you out into and inviting you into. Yes, we will have to do. Yes, we will have to work. Yes, we will be sent out. But all of that comes from learning to be and to being in the presence of our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ, the one who ultimately gave himself up, dying on the cross, so as to redeem us and forgive us and restore us to relationship with our Heavenly Father, who calls us to keep on in that race. He is faithful. He is just. He will carry us on through that race. May the Lord bless you as you dive into week this week of being, and may you learn what it means to be in the presence of Christ. And may you find renewal and energy in order to go out and to do. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you don't simply call us to do a bunch of stuff. You don't simply send us out and issue these commands to go and to go and to go. You start by inviting us. Jesus, you started by inviting your disciples to simply be with you. And you, you haven't changed. You still do that with us. You invite us to be with you, to spend time in your word, to spend time talking to you in prayer, to spend time in worship, to spend time receiving from you and, and being reminded that you're in control. And God, my prayer for each one of us as we go through this Red Letter Challenges, Lord, would you help us learn what it means to be with you? Help us to prioritize. For many of us, that's going to be the challenge, is carving out that time in the day. Oh God, help us to do that. Help us to find 
whether it's in the morning or lunch or at the evening or bedtime or whenever, God, help us to spend time being with you. Knowing that when we spend that time being with you, it is not wasted. It becomes this incredible, awesome time where you fill us up and then you send us out. And God, as much as we pray, come and change this world and have an impact in this community, as much as we desire as White Rock Baptists to impact our world, God, I know that will only happen once we've learned to truly be with you. Help us, Holy Spirit. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.